Let's hope this works. Wow. Genius. Things make me laugh. I don't know whether you sit in services and things make you laugh. But, um, uh, I, uh, you know, when Noah's being introduced and he's, um, he's making cheese boards and whatever, I think when parents name their kids, they have no idea what gifts God puts in. And they name him Noah. Well, Noah built boats, didn't he? So you're starting small, aren't you? Cheese boards. Come on, Noah. They're great cheese boards. I'm going to buy a cheese board. <laughs> just, just made me smile. It's one of those British irony moments, isn't it? You think parents are brilliant. We name our kids, and God's at work in our naming, isn't it? And um, yeah, 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 yeah. Like my name, which I discovered was it. Um, I, I can't remember what it means, but I, I, I know exactly what my name means, and um, it, uh, it does. It means to hear God. Yeah. And I'm the patron saint of jokes. It's true. <laughs> it is true. Praise the Lord. God knew that I, I was uh, reminding my family that uh, my first uh, time I made it to the newspaper, I was under four years old. I made the front page in London, South Woodford. And... Um, uh, and it said, the jokes on Simeon. What I'd done is I'd locked my sister and myself in the bathroom. My mum had gone out to get me some pants and I thought it'd be a great thing to play a trick on her. So I locked myself and my sister in the bathroom and went, ha, you can't get me. And she couldn't. So my mum panicked and called the fire brigade. <laughs> the fire brigade arrived and these guys had to climb in through a window and... Um, and it made the front page. Obviously, there's not much going on in South Woodford. Anyway, that's by way of introduction to uh, uh, just me, rather than um, rather than this morning. So um, we're in the uh, kind of middle of a series about what are we building in the city. And I'm interrupting that series to bring you a message that I should have brought a while ago um, in terms of what are we building as a church. And I'm looking at um, the church as a body. All right, that's kind of in the whole year. What are we building together? We, we, uh, we are in church communities, most of us. Even those who are visiting, I'm hoping you're in a church community. And we have to think about what are we building? What are we building together? And so I'm going to look as church as a body. So uh, here we can think broad in the fact that the church, the body, is global. Noah's off to Malawi. Um, many of us go to different countries in the world, meet different Christians. We see ourselves as one body, don't we? Whether we're black, we're white, we're yellow, we're whatever, we've got a rash that makes us red or whatever we are, we see ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we mustn't lose sight of that. And then we can look at the city and see that there are many other churches 
together. They may not be exactly the same as us, as good as our worship, as is the best. That's why you're here. And, um, and it's, we're just, we're different, aren't we? There's Catholic churches, there's um, more evangelical churches, there's more wacky churches like us. We think we're wacky, but we're not that wacky. But, um, and we're all different, but we're one, one body. And then we can look ourselves more individually, can't we, as a church community made up of different people, but yet we're one body. So there's many, what I'm saying is there's many layers of application. So you can think about that as, as I uh, chat to you this morning. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12. That's going to be my major passage, but I am going to dip into Ezekiel 37 um, and one or two other scriptures. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 12 and we're going to start at uh, verse 12. Out of this, I want to pick up some cultures, particularly that we are seeking to establish in us as a church community. So I am going to be talking a bit about us in our community and the cultures that we have been seeking to grow. You know, and some of the things take years to grow. Nicola's taken 25 years to grow into who she is today. When we first saw her and um, 25 years ago, she was, you you, you know, you, you look at your child, you're blown away, you're crying because it's a miracle and you've got no idea how they're going to grow up. And you do your best as parents to love them, to sow into them the love that you have. And you stand there sometimes, as I did in communion, thinking, boy, oh boy, she's going to need some help. Because you love them. And you go, God, what have, you know, sometimes in the midst of it, you're thinking, oh, I've made some mess ups. But then I, I, God spoke to me in communion and just said, this. He just said, I've got it. It's the finished work of God. It's not about you and your mistakes. It's about me. And sometimes we are crazy to focus on ourselves when it's about him. So, you know, that's the context of this passage, 1 Corinthians 12. Actually, preceding that, um, in the preceding chapter, we've the, the Corinthian church have been taught about communion, what it is, and we've done communion. So one or two things might come out about communion, what it really means. Then the first part of one is chapter 12 is about gifts. And you can also read about gifts in Romans 12 as well, but Corinthians 12 here. So it's talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then he comes to this part in 1 Corinthians 12, which I'm going to read. And if you've got your Bibles or your phones or your iPads, you can stop playing um, whatever the new Fortnite or whatever the new craze game is, Clash of Clans or whatever, and you can turn to your Bible app and read with me. I'm reading from the New King James 12, 12. 
For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, it is therefore not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? And now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body which think to be less honourable, on these we bestow greater honour. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honour to the part which lacks it. That there should be no schism or division in the body, that but that the members should have the same care from one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Just some things uh, that I, I want to bring out here. There's... There's kind of, it made me laugh. I don't know whether you laugh at things in the Bible. I chuckle at, at, at almost the drama being played. And I kind of pictured, if you could go on to the next slide, that'd be great. Like the foot saying to the hand, I'm not of the body because I'm not a hand. Um, but it's but interesting here in Eastern culture, The feet were seen to be um, one of the lesser parts of the body. Even if you go now, if people raise their feet at you, it's an insult. If you see the soles of the feet, it's it's an insult. Um, In the days when I think um, Saddam Hussein's statue was brought down and whatever, people took off their shoes and whacked it with their shoes because it it was an insult because the feet were seen lesser. So here you have the foot saying, I'm not a hand, I'm not worthy. I'm a bad part. And even the hands in in Eastern culture, especially the left hand, which is used to, you know, help yourself when you go to the toilet, was seen as a lesser thing. The right hand and a lesser part of the body. So even that, you know, and we can have that, can't we? I'm not 
as gifted, I don't have the gifts. Remember the context of what we're talking about in the previous bit. I don't have the same gifts as Rodney. I'm not needed on a Sunday morning. I'm not needed in the church community. It seems humble, doesn't it, to say that? But actually, it's full of false humility, which is a form of pride. I'm the ear. And again, in Eastern culture at the time that this is written, the ear seemed lesser than the eye. Actually, a book we're reading at the moment, we're understanding that listening and ears are vitally, vitally important. It's when people listen to us and hear our story, we feel valued and heard. And when they really understand it, and when we understand somebody, we can love them more. What Paul is really saying here is it's crazy. To, to look at yourself and go, I'm not as valuable. I'd hate to be walking around without a foot. Well, I wouldn't really be walking, I'd be hobbling. I'd need Ruth Taylor and one of her new, you know, prosthetics that she's going to make and stuff like that. And interestingly, you know, one of the things I'd never seen in looking at this passage is some of the parts that... Um, that we are unpresentable, that are modest, the kind of the parts that we use for reproduction, they're kept covered and they need their modest parts, their intimate parts, their parts that used to grow the church. I was thinking, wow, I'd never thought of evangelism like that, to do it modestly. Not ram it down somebody's throat. So do it carefully. One to one. Do you know, I, I just, I've never seen that before. I just thought, wow, that's incredible. Paul's right in there with that particular thought. Hidden. Keep it modest. Don't shout about it. Be careful as we evangelize. One of the... um, Can we go to the next slide? Sorry. Just some of the scriptures here. Um, Verse 12 says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts... (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) God. I let that one go, didn't I? (laughs) That's one of my best, isn't it? I'm so glad there's one person that doesn't understand. (laughs) So it is with Christ. I'm going to be reminded of that for years, aren't I? Yes, all right, all right. 
Oh, praise Jesus. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And and there's an element here. I, I kind of think when we gather, there's individual stuff going on, isn't there? Oh, thanks. Don't be pointing me, please. Um, there's individual stuff going on, kicking off in us. But there's corporate stuff. As well, isn't it? We're together. Sometimes we encounter God together, and sometimes individually. And 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 so, for all of us, in in a meeting, in a gathering, in life, those things are really important. Do you know? I've heard many people say over the years, "My faith is private." Now I question whether that person really believes in Jesus. Our faith is never private. It's to be worked out in a corporate setting. There are individual elements where we have to press through in God. We do that best corporately and together. We cannot do it on our own. And um, it's really vital that we don't hold it all in. And as we increase in vulnerability to one another, we allow each other to love each other more. I know it's a risk to say this is what I'm really like. I read something this morning which said sometimes when we meet somebody else, there are six people at present when you meet somebody who I present myself as who they present themselves as, who I think they are, who they think I am, who I really am, and who they really are. Did you get that? Yeah? And so we, we have a great opportunity in a community that we are to break through some of those layers, some of the onion layers, and go... Look at me. I've had to really learn to love me. I do. I think I'm funny. I think I'm accidentally funny. (laughs) Sometimes I'm deliberately funny and nobody gets me. And that makes me laugh even more. Do you know? And um, I've realized I'm good at certain things. And I've learned to go, I know I'm good at that. And you're good at something too. You're good at lots of things. And you have to go, I'm really good at that. I could do that. We, we were talking this week in a, in a meeting. Um, and uh, with Nicola going, we've got a gap going. We've got a gap, haven't we? She leads our youth. And, uh, you know, sometimes you can see a need and you think, oh, I could, let me, let me do, let, oh, our young people, they're so amazing on their phones. <laughs> it's great. You're texting each other. <laughs> oh, no, they're texting Andy Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, you, you, you know, I, maybe they're tweeting. Are you tweeting about my talk? Well, get on it. I was funny. 
I, I did a faux pas. You could tweet that. And uh, Snapchat it. That's the in thing. Now, Snapchat it. Yeah, that would be better. So, um, oh, yeah. So, gifts. So, we all know we've got gifts. But if we just dive into something to fill a need and fill a gap, so, you, you, you know, we might be doing something that isn't really us. And we don't want that to happen. Sometimes you can do something for a season to help and serve. And that's a good thing. And uh, and maybe then you'll find out, actually, that's not me. But we have to know where we're good. Where God has really gifted us. Know that if we're a foot, we're a foot. And we don't try and be something that we're not. Um, and next slide, please. So, um, you know, 10 years ago, when um, we took on leading the church, I saw something. And I remember sitting down with those who said to me, Sam, we see you as leading the church going, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure you understand where I come from. Because I knew that God had shown me something about leading that I believe differently about the body and how we're to work together. I'm not saying that leadership isn't a gift, because it is a gift. And I know I'm a leader. That's the truth. I know, and I'm comfortable with that. I lead in business. I help lead three businesses. I can't... Help but lead in certain situations. I have to really fight to shut up. Yeah, that's an important skill I'm learning. Um, but, you, you know, those that talked to me had a... I, we talked about styles of leadership. And um, I think for 10 years, we're just beginning to see some of the transformation for me from leaders to when I was called uh, somebody who led the team because we had a team. Now, I think through what we're doing with the ellipses, we are seeing a team of leaders. So the ellipses bring something. It's how we're kind of separating ministries, roles, responsibilities, areas within the church that are different, and the people, different leaders are going to lead that, and they have responsibility for it. So that it doesn't come back to one person who gets to say yay or nay. Do you know the purpose of that is that we see more people released into what God has called them to do. Because if it's just down to me, and my judgment, and on what I think, or what time I've got then that's crazy, isn't it? Because in some things I'm good, in some things I'm really not good at facilitating. So to me, this is the beginning of something I saw over 10 years ago. But it takes time to change cultures. Really does take time, but it's the process we're in. I want to jump to Ezekiel 37. I don't know whether you read much of Ezekiel 37. 
but it's the um, Valley of Dry Bones passage. And um, it's one of the cultures here that we have been seeking. We talk about the presence of God. And um, in this passage, we see bones, but without a body. We see dry bones. And what the body needs, first of all, is the prophetic voice of God to come. For God's word to be spoken. He says, prophesy to the bones. I'm not going to read the whole passage. You can go and read the passage. There are a couple of verses that I want to pick out from it. Could you just go to the next slide, Alison? Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. When he begins to prophesy and the breath comes, you will read that sinews start attaching themselves to the bones. Ligaments. Then flesh comes. The breath of God brings life into the body. We need that breath of God. You go back to Genesis chapter 2. God forms Adam out of the dust and breathes into him life. Just here we've got two examples of a body being formed. And we can be a body but without the breath of God. We could be a church community without the breath of God. And our desire is for the breath of God, the infilling of the Holy Spirit that gives us life. I don't want to be a dead Christian. Or a body without the breath of God in us. I love when Jesus walks into the room just after, between his uh, resurrection and ascension, and he breathes on them. He breathes the Spirit of God into them. When Pentecost comes in, it's Pentecost Sunday, next Sunday. We're not meeting here, please remember that. We're going to a wedding. But in the evening, we get an opportunity in the cathedral to join with the body of Christ in this city to allow the breath of God to breathe into us as a corporate togetherness in the city. So if you're not coming and dancing at the party, because I am, I shall be shaking my moves. And... um, (laughs) You want, are you going to be on the dance floor, Henry? I'll get you up on the dance floor. 
And, um, but if you're not going to that, then you can go and join together. It's most, a number of churches are cancelling their Sundays, morning services to meet together. It's an opportunity to, to invite the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, into our joint corporate togetherness. We meet individually sometimes, like we do. We're going to opportunity together, corporately. We need the presence of God in our bodies. Colossians says this. Next slide, if you wouldn't mind. It's one of my... When I think of church, I think, I think of this verse quite, quite often. I'm reading 18 just to give you some context. Let no one cheat you out of your reward, taking delight in false humility, worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up uh, by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body is nourished and knit together, by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. We need the Spirit of God. But there is another culture, and I'd like to play a clip to you just to listen to. Pardon? Yeah, if we could dim the lights. Alison's just going to play a clip, and then I'll come back. Long story short, the tour was winding down. Last time around, we were in Tyler, Texas. The night was over. A guy walks up to me. I wish I could tell you the whole story. It was so of God. Introduces himself to me. Says, how are you doing? I just want to say hello. I said, it's nice to meet you. He says, you guys winding the tour down. Uh, Where are you going to go from here? I said, well, I'm on my way back home to Atlanta, Georgia. He said, well, what's next for you? I said, I'm going to be preaching the next two Sundays for my pastor back in Atlanta. He said, oh, cool. What are you preaching on? I said, well, the series is on the glory of God in the human body. He said, that's really amazing. I'm a molecular biologist at the university down the road. Give me your talk. And I was like, oh, wow. I wasn't quite yet ready to unload the talk. For a molecular biologist. So I kind of stumbled through what I had. And he's kind of being kind and gracious. And like, "Uh uh-huh, that's good. And then he says, well, what's your big left hook? you got to have a left hook, a big finish, right? I said, I don't have a left hook yet. He said, oh, Louie. Oh, man, your left hook is laminin. And I'm I'm totally blank on laminin. He goes, Louie, it's a cell adhesion molecule. Protein molecule? Do you know about proteins? I'm like, no. He said, Louis, cells organize into certain molecular structures, and that determines what protein there are. There are between 10 and 60,000 proteins in the human body. We don't even know how many proteins are in the human body. But one of them is a cell adhesion molecule. It's organized into this certain structure, and that tells the cell what its job is in the body. And this one is a cell adhesion molecule. I'm like... All right. He said, no, Louis, it's like the rebar of the human body. The steel they put in the concrete when they lay the foundations of things. It's that stuff. It's it's holding your membranes together. It's the glue of the human body, Louis. It's laminin. you got to tell them about laminin. And I'm like, 
I promise you, I'm going home and tell them about laminin. And I'm sure when I do, revival is going to sweep across the church and probably around the world when I tell them. He said, no, 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 no. You've got to see laminin. I'm like, okay. Let's see it. He said, no, no, no. You need to go look it up online. You need to go Google laminin. I don't even know how to spell laminin. Takes his card out. He writes on the back, L-A-M-I-N-I-N. Okay, I cannot wait to get to my computer and get on Google, click on images, type in laminate, and I'm waiting, and these little thumbnails come up on the screen, and I'm like, wow, that's laminin? The cell adhesion molecule. Woo! (laughs) I am so excited. I am beside myself. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I love laminin. I'm so fired up. You should see laminin, I guess. That's the thing, right? Okay. Here is a scientific diagram of the laminin cell adhesion molecule that's holding your body together right now. Okay, this is what I found right here. No, come on. That's crazy. That's just crazy. I emailed that guy back so fast. I'm like, wow, 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 wow. What in the world? He said, you want to see an actual laminin molecule? I'm like, oh, no, man. The diagram was cool for me. I'm happy with that. Don't don't bother sending anything else. I'm like, yes. And he sends me this image, an electron microscopic image of an actual laminin protein molecule. It looks just like this. How crazy is that? That the stuff that holds our bodies together, that's holding the lining of your organs together, holding your skin on, is in the perfect shape of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately I'm thinking about the words of Paul in Colossians 1. You know this beautiful passage where Paul's talking about the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. He says, for by him, talking about Jesus Christ, all things have been created, things in heaven and things on earth. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. But then the next verse goes on to say this. It's crazy. And he, Jesus, is before all things. And in him, that is, in Jesus Christ, all things hold together. It's right It's right there. I'm like, of course they do. Of course they do. Everything holds together in Jesus Christ. And he goes on at the end of this paragraph, and he just tells the story of grace. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Cool, eh? I think one of the cultures that will pull us together is our focus on the cross.
If we, what will grow us together is an understanding of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That will hold us together as a community. That will grow us as a community. That will hold the churches in this city together. Just as our body, every part of it, has a mark of the cross on. So it needs to be for us as a community. You see, when we take communion, it is to tell us we are righteous, not that we've done wrong. That's the truth. It's ingrained in us. It's to tell us, examine yourself. He talked in the previous chapter. In chapter 11, Paul does. For who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body we're not to eat and drink judgment on ourselves we're to discern that he has made us righteous the cross and as as we grow that as a culture Amongst us, we will, we'll start to love more. We will. Because this comes before the love chapter. Understanding being a body comes before the love chapter. I don't know whether we're going to hear it next Sunday. And and so... Our focus more and more needs to be the cross. The finished work of Jesus in our lives. I woke up this morning early. I often do when I speak. And on my heart this morning was the verse that Richard read out. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You and I have been crucified. If you are a believer, you've been crucified with Christ. The mark is in your body. And how you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God. He gives himself with the Holy Spirit to you to live out your Christian life, not in your own strength, but through him. And in it, he gifts you to be who you are in all your fullness. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me.
And as we do that, the church is a body. We become a body. The breath of God, the the sinews start to attach. The flesh comes and we start to rise as in Ezekiel 37 to be like an army. A loving army. Who's... Who are marked with humility of the cross. And as I was um, thinking this morning, I, I think there are a couple of things that maybe we we need the breath of God. We've got to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I may, maybe Charlie and team can come back up, and we can. Um, and maybe you could start playing and I'm going to get Ruth to read a declaration out. Um, and maybe you can respond. Um, maybe, maybe you just need a fresh breath of God. Maybe you need his blowing and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit afresh. Or you can come and respond and we can pray for you. It's good to do that. And uh, But maybe... Maybe you're not a believer this morning and you want, you want to give your life to Jesus. You've just realized you're marked uh, with the cross. You may have never done that. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. To say, I want to follow this Jesus. I want to be part of a body that has life in it. I want to give you an opportunity to do that together. But Ruth, if you just play, Ruth will read a declaration. My trust and faith in God grows in proportion to how much I know his character, goodness, and trustworthiness. I therefore spend much time in his presence developing intimacy with him. Never become satisfied with mere theology of God's presence in your private life or church life. Pursue his manifest presence. Why don't we stand in his presence together, open our hearts to him, and let's just invite him to fill us afresh. I know I need that. Lord, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit.
And I want to pray that for all of us here. We ask you, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us afresh. Breathe on us. Breathe on us.